This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swan's Crossing! Let's let's do this. It's uh it's our very last recording session ever. Our very last episode ever of Gotta Grow Up Sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. I am Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler Jaffrey. It's the end of an era. It is. It's two years. Two years we did this. <laughs> we started doing this during the pandemic. Not that the pandemic is necessarily over. Yeah, but like, it was our pandemic project. And uh, yeah. what an experience it was. It's true. So many good memories to look back on. So many mistakes made. Victories, defeats, the triumphs, the glories. Yes, indeed. Um, Wow. Thank you. First of all, thank you to our listeners for being along with us for this whole stupid ride. We're so glad you listened to this show. Don't know why you did, but glad. So glad. I I can't. I'm so grateful that we're not just talking into microphone. Because <laughs> <laughs> it could have so easily been that. But thank you for being there, folks. It was fun. We're glad we glad we had you along. Thank you for putting us in your ear holes. Yes. Wow. Uh, so, Nathan, are you glad you did this? I am. I am tremendously glad that I did this. <laughs> Not because I now have the memory of every episode of Swans Crossing in my head, <laughs> but because I got to talk to one of my dear friends roughly once a week for two years. Aw, thank you. Any, but me too. I loved doing it. It was super fun to do with you too. And in any time you want to uh, do another podcast, I'm in. All right, all right. I'm gonna find some weird, obscure. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, here's the thing, Libby. Uh, the only reason that this podcast works is because you do all the work. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so. It's a labor of love. I mean, I I genuinely love this stupid show. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. What is your favorite episode of Swan's Crossing? Oh boy. Um I mean, okay, it's it's hard to 65 to it, choose It's hard from. to pick because there are a few that I'm very fond of, but I have to say probably my all-time favorite because of its sheer dadaist absurdity is the one where the tower falls and Mila falls in the water and then like Almost all of the runtime is taken up by, on one hand, Sidney Rutledge having flashbacks to every time anyone has ever mentioned Mila's name, and then just the boys doing underwater somersaults. Like, that's that is, all it is. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say the Nudibranch benefit. That's, like, that's, that's high on the list. <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to say. And I'm so glad you picked the tower one, because that is way up there on my list as well yeah that is it's 
so good. It is. And, and also in contention for me, for sure, is the episode where um, the Countess makes the VHS video invitations <laughs> with, with the song and the weird like video toaster special effects and the entire song plays over again for no reason. And then Mila is sobbing over the theme song through the closing credits. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Tutu loves Mila. Tutu does love Mila. What what were your favorite episodes? Uh, the Towers, the Towers Falling is one of my favorites. I think that one is so good. Yeah. Um, I like the baseball game episode. <laughs> it's good. It's so like it's so extremely like reminiscent of middle high school in the nineties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is very of that era yes um i also i love mila's birthday party with the cake the the cake debacle yeah (laughs) um and anything with uh with saja's sister (laughs) (laughs) sophia is probably my favorite character in the sh- in the whole show. Well, that was that's a good segue into my next question, which is going to be, do you have a favorite character? Yeah, it's Sophia. So, she is really great. She exists solely to make sexual innuendos about cars, car based sexual innuendo, and I just like every time she was on screen. Well done, Mira Servino. I mean, so good, so good. How about you? Favorite character? Yeah, I think my favorite character is still Nancy. Just because, like, again, she exists solely to spread chaos. She's evil, and she just leans into that. She's like, yeah, I know who I am. I'm a fucking bitch, and I'm going to destroy everyone's (laughs) life. (laughs) Some bitches just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, and that bitch is Nancy, and I respect that. And also, I like that she just wears blazers all the time. Right? Phenomenal. (laughs) phenomenal actually okay so my other favorite character is glory i love her she's adorable i want to put her in my pocket i do really like glory too she's great i i would have to say if i have like a runner-up favorite character i know this is going to be controversial but i really like sydney (laughs) that is controversial She's she's pretty terrible, but just from a writer's perspective, like she actually has a character arc she goes on. She's not great at sticking to it all the time, you know, but like she has the most character development of anybody else in this show. And you absolutely cannot fault Sarah Michelle or Michelle Geller's acting chops. Oh yeah. She she brings it. Crushed it every single damn day. Walked in and just brought every little bit of herself. I do also, like, I like the concept of Callie. I like the fact that Callie's just always good at everything and knows everything, and everyone is yeah. just like, of course, that's fine. Callie knows everything. <laughs> I'm I'm super glad that the, uh, you know, the, the female executive producer of this show gave herself a strong female lead who's not defined by the fact that there are boys around, yeah. you know? Me too. Me too. I did. I dig that. Hats off to Callie Walker. She was a '90s icon before it was cool to be a strong woman. <laughs> All right. So here's a, here's my next question for you, Libby. Yeah. What is your favorite episode of our podcast? <laughs> 
Oh man, let me think about that for a second. What there is there is no contest in my mind for myself. Um, <laughs> but I want to I want to hear yours first. Let's see. I do really like the episode that like introduces Barrack when you came up with the poem. I do not like that man, Barack. <laughs> That was really fun for me to watch that develop. <laughs> that was, yeah, man, he is, he is the absolute. Yeah. How about you? What's, what's your favorite episode of our podcast? Episode 42. Got to clean up sometime. <laughs> I, I like periodically when I'm feeling low, I will just cue that up in my podcast app and listen to it again because I like, I still laugh so hard. The first time you say gotta clean up so <laughs> Okay, that was a really good episode. <laughs> You're right, that was that was a strong one. Oh my gosh. My favorite episodes have nothing to do with the episode we were talking about and everything to do with whatever weird shit we talked about. Oh my gosh. Now so yeah, and there's so many there's so many good ones. I mean your Christmas Bonus episode is excellent. I I do really enjoy that one too. That was fun to write. Yeah, getting getting to interview Stacy Mosley was incredible. Oh yeah, for sure. That was great. Uh, yeah the the real actual coven episode. Oh, oh okay, that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh my god. Jeez. Oh, and of and of course, my favorite. My favorite. In our in our early in our early years, the one that I tell everybody: if you can get to this episode and like it, you will probably like the podcast. This swan fucks. <laughs> if you don't, if you get to this swan fucks and you don't like it, I wouldn't bother with the rest of the podcast because that was really, I feel like, where the podcast hit its stride. I agree. That's where we really found it. Where we found our format and our voice. And we- Mm-hmm. We carried it from there. That was a good one. <laughs> Swan Fox. Hey, hey, that's one. This one's looking at me funny. I think. What? <laughs> me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh wow. What a ride it's been. Oh. Um, did you have uh was there any like character arc that surprised you over the course of the show? Did anybody go to places you did not expect them to go? Libby, everyone went to places that I did not expect them to go, as evidenced by the fact that I was never right. <laughs> I mean, like, I I sort of expected to see more of Saja switching characters throughout the show, and he pretty much stayed with Saja the whole time. I feel like Jimmy, we got exactly what we expected. Uh, Neil and JT got ex- pretty much. Well, I, I think the I think the poetry thing for JT was unexpected since he's like such a sciencey guy, right? Like they gave him this like other side of his personality, which was really interesting. Yeah, and a good choice. Yeah, I, Garrett, what a psychopath. <laughs> Mila, pretty much the same the whole time. I think we got some surprises from Callie here and there. And yeah, no, how about you? Like when when you, first of all, how many more times do you think you're going to watch this entire series? You're, you know, middle age at this point. How many more complete watch throughs before you die 
do you think Swan's Crossing is going to get? Well, I mean, complete watch throughs I'm probably going to do, I would say, three or four a year for the rest of my life. A year? Oh, yeah. This is how I roll. Like, listen, I have seen every episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000, like, probably 50 times at least. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. I'm just going to watch Swan's Crossing over and over again until I die. Now, how long will I live? I don't know. That remains to be seen. Hey, what? Libby? Five years, five years from now, if you text me or something, I will I will get back in this podcast for one episode. Okay. You can pick an episode. We can rewatch it. Five years from now, we'll have a revival. We'll surprise everyone. Five, five years. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, which character do you identify with the most? I, I actually had sort of this question too. Like who, the, my, the way that I phrased it is, who in the Swans Crossing cast are you? Yeah. I think I think when I was in high school I was JT like I was just like I wasn't into super sciencey stuff but I I like I had this I was very into like I want a girlfriend and thought of myself as a poet right did you write some some wicked poetry back then oh yeah you know I did yeah you know I wrote some really really poems <laughs> So did I. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was not great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got those. You got those hormones raging. Yeah, they get the pen moving. Yep, yep. They got to come out somehow for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think. Uh, I think I identify the most with Saja. I think, like, you know, living in my own world, got my own view on on the way things operate. Don't really give a shit what anybody else thinks of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Um, here's, do we have, a, do we have any user quest or user questions? Do we, <laughs> do we have any listener questions? I've got more, I've got more, but I wanted to, uh, answer some questions from a listener. We do. So we got several questions sent in from Stephanie Shemp, who is fandom famous because she wrote the epic long novel length fan fiction, Swans Crossing the Return when she was a young teen. Bravo, Stephanie, and thank you so much for listening to our ridiculous podcast and for sending in these questions. Amazing. Um, she did ask what what will our pre- what would our predictions be for what would have happened in season two? Do we want to get into that right now, or do we want to hold on to that for a minute? Let's hold on to that one for a minute. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, she did also ask whether either of us would watch Swans Crossing again, which we which we definitely answered. Um, I wrote in my notes, absolutely, probably today. <laughs> And me, absolutely not, except for one more episode five years from now. <laughs> I think you're you're restricting yourself too much. I think you should be open to it. Um, let me see. I, and I think she had another question for us, too. She did ask us which were our favorite episodes, which we did cover. Mm. Um, yeah, let me see here. Uh, yeah, favorite plots and storylines. Oh, oh, she did. She had a really great question that I think we definitely should discuss. Do you think a show like Swan's Crossing could have existed outside of the 90s? And how would you modernize it today? Oh, that's Stephanie. That's such a good question. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, there were, because there were lots of like sitcom-y style teen shows before the 90s. But I don't recall like a soap opera style like 90210 kind of thing yeah. before the 90s. So 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways, the, the culture was moving in such a way that kids could talk about, like you could have kids on a, on a program that was more for adults or do an adult, a more adult show for kids as we were moving into the nineties. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's any way it could have existed in its present form outside of the nineties and like early nineties at that. I think by the time grunge culture really started to take hold, like in the mid nineties, by then rich people were no longer considered cool, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, as to her question of how would you modernize it, I don't think I would. I think I would, if I, like, if I were to make a Swans Crossing reboot today, I would keep it set in the early 90s, <laughs> and I would just make it ironic and grim. Like, I would use the show itself to mock the weird, out-of-touch culture these characters live in, like, kind of like how the Righteous Gemstones, like, sort of mocks... Um, like the the grifting side of Christianity. Right. <laughs> so um, I think I would just like lean into that. And Stephanie felt that um, Swan's Crossing was a little bit past its own time. Like it would have been more successful in the 80s when people were mm. more into gawking at rich people, like with Dynasty and Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And I think she's probably right about that. I think it was just like at the very end of when it could have been successful. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I like I feel like our modern version of this are like those vampire soap operas. Oh yeah. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's that is what I think is the the modern equivalent of this. So we've we've moved into like instead of being obsessed with, you know, rich people, which I mean to a degree I think we still are. Um, or actually like, so it's, it's two things. One, it's like people with supernatural powers, yeah. vampires, that kind of thing, or rich people who are actually like more celebrities, yeah. famous for being famous yeah. than they are for being totally. wealthy. Um, Stephanie also asked, can either of, either of us explain the Baldy slash Barrick mystery based on just what we know from season one? Because it has haunted her for 30 years as it has haunted all of us, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Can we explain it? Yeah, like just based on what we saw in season one, do we know, like, do you have a guess about what, what that storyline was even supposed to be, if there was any coherence right. to it? Here is what I think. And this is getting into my, no, let's let's hold on to that because my my thought on the Barrick Baldy situation uh, is influenced by what I think would have happened in season two. Oh, Okay. I will say that I think just based on what we saw in season one, I think the Baldi is from Rodavia and was sent by the Rodavian government to figure out who Professor Van really is. And like, meanwhile, the Rodavians are still sending Professor Van like radioactive minerals because, you know, like, why not? Even though they think he's suspicious, but I think they sent the Baldi to be like, find out who this Professor Van guy really is. And I think Barrick is an agent of the U.S. government, like this super spy who's tracking the Rodavian spies, the Baldies, just because they're like suspicious foreign agents, right? Like I think mm. Barrick was going to stumble across in, you know, in season two, I think he would have stumbled across the mystery of Pegasus and then would like get sucked deeper into this whole thing. Yeah. Okay. I have a, I have a different thought, but it, it ties into my, my theory for season two. So we'll get back to it. Great. Well, should we, should we get into it? What do you think was going to happen? No, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I got, I got so much more here. Oh, great, Libby. great. Lay it on me. First of all, uh, uh, top three to five favorite lines <laughs> from the series. 
Oh, why are you doing I'll this to us, me? I'll get us started with the best line in the show. No one can swim with drumsticks. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Obviously. There's no there's no better line that has ever been written. That is a really great one. Oh, God. Why am I blanking as many times as I've seen Swans Crossing now? Why am I blanking on top lines now? I'm going to have to edit, edit out all these pauses later so my reply seems really snappy. But, like, let me see. I don't like them per se, but I am fond of... <laughs> I am fond of the uh, creepy cleverness of many of Billy Gunn's lines. <laughs> like when he's talking about taking the ride and stuff, I'm like, okay, that's gross. You shouldn't say that. But also that's, that's a pretty good line. But like, okay. yep. no one can top, no one can swim with drumsticks. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Absolutely. And uh, like Sophia has a bunch of those lines too, but they were so far back in the series and I was not going to go back and rewatch her episodes yeah. to figure out what they were. I will say definitely up there banger for me, uh, several lines that have come from the Countess. First of all, feathers in the Swedish meatballs. <laughs> and also... Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt your Fiji fantasy feast while she's speaking on her shell phone. <laughs> um, other other lines that made my top five. Uh, Use your pedal. Um, <laughs> so good. The redfish was too salty. <laughs> Another Sophia classic. And a, a, a more recent addition to the canon. You make a great American cheese sandwich. The lettuce was a nice touch. Speaking of food, another top one for me. I've always said that fish is the noblest of fleshy foods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, what what is uh, what was your favorite rich people thing? Um, definitely novelty shaped telephones. Yeah, oh. <laughs> it's up there. So good, so good. Mine is living in a private sub. Liveaboard private sub, Live yes. Liveaboard private sub, yeah. Um, I'm very fond also of having the only ingress and egress to Mila's bedroom be an elevator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the flipping, uh, the the flipping wall in Mila's room that Saja gets stuck in. Yeah, just randomly rotating wall. Why not? Right, and why not have a wall of monitors in your house? Sure. <laughs> no. Okay. This is the, okay. This is my last important segment to cover before we actually talk about season two. <clears throat> Libby, are you ready to play? Fuck Mary Kill. <laughs> <laughs> Swans Crossing Adults. <laughs> I think my soul just left my body in the forest. surprised me so much nathan yes i'm ready all right <clears throat> let's start with the let's start with the men we got captain baldy uh barrack and grant booth oh god oh let's see okay I would fuck Barrick because he's probably fun in bed. Absolutely. Um, I guess I would marry the Baldy because I don't want to marry Grant Booth. No. I, I would kill Grant Booth because, like, fuck that guy. Yep. <laughs> he's the worst. 
first. Yep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Okay. Uh, next up, fuck Mary Kill, Captain Walker, Ralph, and Mr. Han. <laughs> Mary Mr. Han. Obviously, Mary Mr. Han. That guy is so sweet. He's so sweet. I bet he's super cool. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm left with two not great options. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, fuck Ralph. Just just because, like, you know, why not? And probably very generous. Yeah, probably. He seems like a he's he would probably be great in bed too. And um kill Captain Walker because like I, I, that sub is stupid. It's gotta go. No. Nobody, nobody wants uh, Captain Walker's life to continue. No. Like, terrible. Okay. (laughs) Muffy, Countess, Jazz. Oh, my God. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Mary Muffy, because she is a type A personality, she's got her shit together, and she's going to take care of everything in life for you, so you don't have to do anything. Also, you're marrying into a lot of money there, right? Sure. You'd be a kept woman. No brainer. Fuck Jazz, because she's down to earth. Oh, yeah. And and so thirsty. <laughs> yeah, she's into it. Kill the Countess, because why is everything pink? Right? Oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was brilliant. I wish I thought of it. That's the title of this episode is FMK Swans Crossing Adults. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I might actually have to go get my inhaler. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I didn't get Cordelia in there. Oh, that's right. Cordelia. Cordelia Booth. All right. So predictions for season two yeah do you want to go first or do you want me yeah to? because because the way that i think about season two is is tied up in what i think was going on with barrick and uh in the baldy so i think that pegasus is Callie's evil twin. Ooh. And the reason that Swan's Crossing is the only place left is that Captain Walker has been searching for her everywhere. Nice. Okay. So he has come back to Swan's Crossing to thwart the plans of Callie's twin sister. Oh. Who is some sort of super evil genius. Okay. And Captain Baldy is an agent for Callie's twin. And Barrick is a double agent, actually working for the FBI, but pretending to work for Pegasus. And the reveal that we would get in season two is that the uh the the whole the whole thing about like trying to figure out what's going on with Professor Van and UB2B is uh is all has all been sort of led along by Callie's evil twin. Okay. I'm gonna call her Heather. It's probably a safe bet. <laughs> right. So Heather came to Swan's Crossing specifically to be at the old Walker estate and find out what these what these two boyos were working on or or whoever it was who was uh creating this perpetual energy formula clean energy blah 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 so that's that's what i think 
I also think in season two, Muffy loses the election. Not because of the birth certificate thing. I think Garrett makes an ass of himself with the birth certificate thing in season two. Sydney is vindicated, but Muffy still loses the election. And eventually, at some point during season two, birth records are found and they discover that JT and Garrett were switched at birth. <laughs> That's a great twist. <laughs> and I think I think season two ends with uh, there being there being a huge blow up. Very sad. Everyone leaves Swan's soda shop. Jazz closes everything down, turns off the lights. And as she's closing the door, she looks back at the counter and sitting on the counter is one plate of pancakes. For Elijah. <laughs> That's, man, pour one out for the season two we never got. That's a good one. That's right. Um, here is what I think would have been the conclusion of all the arcs for all the major characters and the dangling plot lines. From... Yeah, you have put way more thought into this than I have. I definitely have. I also think Grant Booth wins the mayoral election by just a few votes. And later, it's suspected that there might have been voter fraud, potentially caused by Garrett stuffing the ballot box. And, like, maybe there would be some kind of suspicious video footage of, like, a hooded figure stuffing the ballots, um, which would be thought to be Garrett. Like, Garrett is the, is the prime suspect for this. This footage, probably captured by Owen, and midway through the season, Sydney would discover the footage and would embark on a quest to prove that Muffy was indeed the rightful winner of the election. Speaking of Sydney, I think the real birth certificate would arrive like minutes before the concert, and JT would rush it into Sydney's hands so that she could thwart Garrett's evil plan publicly in front of the whole town, and Garrett would be exposed as a dirty, cheating schemer. Mila would witness the heroic part JT played in this drama, and she would be so disgusted by Garrett's attempt to harm Sydney in such a foul way that she would turn her back on Garrett, and we'd get all lovey-dovey over JT, and as they continued to talk, she would, she would convince JT to read her some of his poetry, and he would read one of the poems, or like a draft of the poem, that Mila thought Garrett had written, thus putting the final nail in the coffin of the Mila-Garrett relationship for good. Mila would hate Garrett until the end of days. I think JT would have a crisis because now he's into Mila and he's not feeling so much in love with Glory. He would try to talk to Neil about it, but Neil would be no help. Glory would overhear this conversation between JT and Neil and would dump JT, but of course she would be very, very sad. After she breaks up with JT, I think Glory would become close with Sydney. Sydney would kind of take her under her wing and teach Glory how to be less of a nice girl and more of like a cutting edge and confident like 90s go-getter woman so she can attract a new boy. Which is how she hooks up with Billy Gunn. My <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> Speaking of new boys, I think a new male cast member would be introduced midway through season two. That he would initially be into Mila, of course, but Glory would work hard to win his heart using the new trick Sydney has taught her. But over the course of season two, Glory has to pretend to be someone she's not in order to keep her boyfriend. And by the end of the season, she would break up with him too so that she could go back to being her old usual self. 
And at that point, I think the hot new boy would be into Mila again and would try to win her away from JT, but Garrett would also be trying to win Mila back by then. So that would set up what would hopefully become season three, like this triangle involving Mila and boys. I think that's a square at that point because you got JT, Mila, and Garrett and new boy. Yeah, it's definitely like a quadrilateral. (laughs) We're we're talking about a love rhombus. (laughs) Love rhombus is another good name for this episode. It is. I think everything would continue to go well between Jimmy and Callie. They would keep trying to solve the mystery of what's going on at the Walker estate and with the Baldies. Eventually, after building up all this suspicion over Barrack, they would get some kind of irrefutable proof that Barrack is on the side of America and they would join forces with him to investigate the growing mysteries surrounding the Walker estate, which of course will include somebody stealing the formula for ub 2 b and uh, Neil and JT having to enlist Barrack's help to get it back. I think the identity of Pegasus would be revealed and it would be Captain Walker. (gasps) Yes. Mm. I think Captain Walker came back to Swan's Crossing not because it's the only place left, but because it's the headquarters of the secret cult of snake-handling ninjas he's been training to do his bidding. (laughs) What is this bidding, you ask? Why, Captain Walker is the one who steals the formula for UB2B, and he's secretly in league with the Rodavian government. And, as the mysteries of the Walker estate continue to ramp up, Callie is plagued by a mysterious girl who seems to be following her. Of course it's her evil half-sister, Heather, (laughs) from somewhere in Asia, who has come to Swan's Crossing to support the mysterious ninja cult her father runs, and Heather believes in the mission of the cult so much that she will attempt to kill Callie Walker in order to protect the identity of Pegasus, their own father. I want to point out that while you followed the the logical outcome of what would happen with the main characters of Swan's Crossing, what I decided to do was talk only about what the adults would do. <laughs> Well, you know, you got to grow up sometime. (laughs) Amazing. Wait, there's more. I think everything will go great between Saja and Sandy until Garrett finds that he genuinely likes Sandy because she's down to earth and isn't all schemey like most of the other girls in town. Sandy will also come to know Garrett's sensitive side and will like him too. Garrett will win Sandy's heart and Saja will be so upset by losing out on both the girls he liked that he will join the evil Pegasus cult, possibly being honeypotted into it by Callie's evil half-sister who looks just like Callie. Yep, definitely. 100%. I think after Sydney proves that the election was stolen, she will somehow end up in a situation with Garrett where she feels pity for him and comes to understand him a little better. And although they are not in love anymore, they will become unlikely allies trusting one another and working together to put something right between their respective parents. Like maybe it wasn't actually Garrett who rigged the election, but he helped Sydney figure out who did it. And he helps ensure that Muffy is returned to her rightful place as mayor of Swan's Crossing. I think Nancy continues to be exactly who and what she is. Ditto Neil. Although I think Neil gains some kind of widespread recognition for his accomplishments in science. Like maybe he wins a big award or something. Um, And JT doesn't get any share in the award because he's been too busy writing poetry for girls and that causes friction between the two friends. Uh, I think Billy Gunn... We got got friction between our buckyballs, if you know what I mean. Buckyball friction yet again. (laughs) You got to put some baby powder on that. Um, (laughs) 
Your little gold bond. I think Billy Gunn does return to Swan's Crossing, briefly wins Sydney's trust, and although Sydney doesn't date him, thank God, they become close friends and Sydney calls on him somehow to bail her or someone else out of a sticky situation that can only be solved with fame. And last but not least, I think it's revealed that Ralph and Mr. Han are both also spies who've been keeping tabs on the whole Pegasus thing for however long it's been going on. And Ralph even turns out to have, like, James Bond props that can get him out of any situation. And also, they're lovers. Yeah, I mean, obviously, these two have chemistry. They're obviously lovers. (laughs) They want to (laughs) kiss. Yeah. That's it. That's what I think. Wow. I love it, Libby. That's so well thought out and and articulated. Thank you. I am so glad that this will continue to live in your heart and mind long after i have done my best to forget (laughs) (laughs) much like much like my heart it will go on and on inside my head um yeah do we want to talk about our psychopath of the week statistics please yes please from the bottom to the top from the bottom to the top here we go first up Honorable mention to the entire cast for that one time when they wouldn't allow Saja to eat meatballs. We did award the whole cast Psychopath of the Week once. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. In seventh place, we have a four-way tie with one instance of psychopathy each for Neil, Nancy, the ninja, and the cloaked figure in the snake pit. (laughs) Okay, who might be the same person. We don't know. Maybe. Is it Pegasus? Is it someone else who's just wearing a hood with the snake? We don't know. Great questions. Uh, Hang on, I gotta pause for just a second. My dog knows exactly what time snack time is. She's like, Daddy, it is ten after nine. I am ten minutes late for a snack. In sixth place, with two instances of psychopathy each, we have another four-way tie between... Oh my gosh! I know. Saja, Mila, Jazz... And Callie. Okay. All right. I definitely would not have like thought Callie would be that high on the list. I know. I was actually surprised too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I also wouldn't like jazz. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We had some moments with jazz for sure. All right. In fifth place with three instances of psychopathy, the Countess. (laughs) (laughs) I know. A dark horse, to be sure. <laughs> I mean, I would be surprised. I'm, I'm shocked we didn't count the uh, the video invitation as two. <laughs> I mean, it got played twice, so we should have. Yeah. In fourth place, with five instances each, a tie between Jimmy and Owen. Okay. Yep. 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 In third place, each with six instances, another tie between Billy Gunn and Barrick. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here I think I think we need to bump Billy Gunn up above Barrick for a percentage of episodes in which he appeared in which he was also psychopath. That's a good point. So maybe he gets yeah. like like a special medal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In second place with eight instances of, of psychopathy. Sydney Rutledge. Sydney Rutledge. You knew it was going to be Sydney. Of you course. knew. And to no one's surprise, the biggest psychopath in Swan's Crossing is Garrett Booth, bringing in an astonishing 22 instances. 
of psychopathy. <laughs> a third of the whole season. Truly a champion. Yeah, it, phenomenal. I, I actually did some some mathematics statistics on this because I was so astonished. We had 67 total psychopaths of the week because on two occasions we couldn't choose just one, so we gave it to two recipients that week. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. means Garrett was the most psychotic character in 32.8 episodes, effectively a third of all episodes. And uh, his count was almost three times higher than the next highest, and he doubled the scores of the third and fourth place recipients put together. Truly a command re- performance from this slimy little creep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Incredible indeed. Well, that's it. That's Swan's Crossing. Friends, <laughs> it has been a joy to be on this journey with you. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swan's Crossing. Yeah, and I guess no more social media because, you know, I barely kept up with it anyway, like rarely. <laughs> But um, if anybody wants to check out my podcast, which has slightly better production values and uh, is nothing at all like this one, I welcome you to check out Future Saint of a New Era on your favorite podcast, whatever, app. (laughs) And friends, until we can see one another again, remember, no one can swim with drumsticks. (laughs) Bye. Bye! to her.